I'd die of embarrassment wearing those pajamas. I was afraid he might be the changeling. My muscles won't work anymore! Disposal is spelled with an I. All this lip smacking, how could I hear anything? Right. With all this lip sacking, how could I hear anything as well? I am Jeff Bader, host of Deep Space Night at Nine-ish. We are covering Season 5, Episode 9, The Ascent, covering every episode in order since the beginning. Joined, as always, by my brother Dave Mater. Dave, how are you? I'm good, Jeff. I'm ready to hit the gym at 0400 and get a good start to my day. You know, we can't be uh, letting things lie around. Um, you clean on the even days, I'll clean on the odd ones. Well, not every day. Yeah, just even the odd ones. Right. And also joined by Bajoran worker Kevin Millard. Kevin, um, are you ready to talk about two men walk up a mountain? I am. Also, I'm ready on Tuesday for Fizbin. Yeah. There's also a Fizbin <laughs> reference in this episode, <laughs> of all things. But not at night. Not at night. That's right. Uh, I do have I do have that sound clip, and uh, if you give how me how lucky you are, <laughs> how wonderful <laughs> for you. Yeah. Uh, I love how that was all improv. Oh. Uh, uh Kirk explains the game of Fizbin. I know I have it. Each player gets six cards, except for the dealer, uh, the player on the dealer's right, who uh, gets seven on the right. Yes. <laughs> the second card is turned up, except on Tuesday. On Tuesday. On mm -hmm. Tuesday. Oh, look what you've got two jacks. You got a half Fisbin already. <laughs> I need another jack. No, no, if you got another jack, why you'd have uh, a shrunk. A shrunk? Yes, you'd be disqualified. Oh. No, what you need now is either a king and a deuce, except at night, of course, when you need a queen and a and a four. Except at night. Except right. at night. Oh, look yeah. at that. You got <laughs> another jack. How lucky you are. How wonderful for you. Now, if you'd gotten a king, why, then you'd get another card, except when it's dark, when you'd have to give it back. If it were dark on Tuesday. Yes, but what you're after is a royal fisman. But the odds in getting a royal fisman are astronomical. Spock, what are the odds in getting a royal fisman? I've never computed them, Captain. Well, they're astronomical, believe me. I know that's a long one, but that's a good callback to the game of Fizbin, Jeff. It is a good callback. Um, I can't believe it comes up again. You know, they they love that. Uh, you know, DC's 9 really ha takes all their cues, I find, more so from original series, even way more so than Next Generation did. It's kind of like the next, like the follow-up to the original series in a lot of way, more so than the Next Generation was. Yeah. Yeah, which makes sense because Next Gen wanted to be different than original series, but uh, and D Space Nine wanted to be different than Next Generation. And and Voyager actually seems more like a continuation of Next Gen than yes, D Space Nine, right? Absolutely, yeah. yes. Um, so yeah, I think that's because because it's on a space station. I think that also kind of lends to the original series and that you're dealing with lots of different species and um, just the way they tell their stories too. Uh, all right, but in this story, we have, uh, you know, we kind of have two different storylines going on. We have the A storyline, which is the Quark and Odo, where an old married couple get stranded in a survival situation and must figure a way out. Um, that's kind of 
the gist of that one. They get trapped on this pl- uh, a mountain planet, which looks like Yosemite National Park. I don't know if that's where they filmed this, but it looks a lot like Yosemite. So we'll see in the fun facts, maybe, if it is Yosemite. And the other storyline we have is Jake and Nog move in together, and it doesn't go so well. And then Cisco doesn't like that Jake's moving out at first. Then he's like, there's a conversation with Rom, dad to dad, where they come to an understanding that these two do need to live together. And so since Cisco's the captain, it's very convenient. He uses his power for good. (laughs) Yeah, I'm your captain and I'm your father. And when I say goes. Right. He's a little authoritarian, but, you know. Cisco? No. No. Yeah, I, we I loved was, his his whole thing where you inspire me with confidence, cadet. You inspire me with confidence, cadet. Yep, <laughs> very deep voice there. Like, yeah, uh, um, I think this like there's a lot to relate here on many different levels. You got the old married couple with Odo and Quark. Uh, it was YouTube, but now, oh, right now it's a canon from <laughs> Grenada. Yeah. So Sam wants to go. know if the if the goat is here. He thinks is, Jody is the goat. Oh, okay. No, or Ted Mater. They're gonna battle out for goat. Maybe it's Ted Mater. This, but this would be a good episode for Ted Mater because um, <laughs> uh, I was saying that um, to Amanda, like when, especially when that thing happened with uh, Cisco, where he's like, "When I say goes," I was like, "That's a lot like my dad," and, she, and she's like, "That's not like my dad at all." I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Is her dad um, more like Rom? Her dad is definitely more like Rom. I hundred <laughs> percent, and. <laughs> Her mom is more like dad, like more like, yeah, a little bit more to the point. But yeah, her dad is definitely like Rom. He's just, hey, well, how can I help? What's going on? What, uh, what he said I... my toolkit's untidy. <laughs> right. 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 I, I feel like my Rom impression is just like my Chris Seymour impression, actually. It's the same guy. Yeah, it's the same <laughs> character. I think Chris Seymour could have played Rom. Rom. Maybe I mean, he was miscast as the pack lid, maybe. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I love this episode. This is a great episode. It is a good character episode. Not a lot happens plot-wise, but it is a really good character episode for especially Odo Cork, their relationship, and then uh, Jake Nog, because we really haven't had a Jake Nog episode in like two seasons. So, I mean, it was good to do this. I really love a a sassy Odo episode where he's making jokes, and it's good. The lip-smacking scene is amazing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, it's uh... all this lip smacking. How could I hear anything? <laughs> but like work the whole time, like when they're on on the runabout, is kind of just laying into Odo the whole time. It's like you couldn't have sex, you couldn't eat, you couldn't do anything. You were just, <clears throat> you know, you just had this disposition about you that was surly and awful because you didn't couldn't enjoy anything. Um, you know, I think that, that and it all starts off with Fizbin. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> which uh, is great. Um, But at the same time, like you kind of like, I think he's just kind of poking at Odo the whole time. And Odo's trying to play him to get information out of him. So it's kind of like a cat and mouse, um, you know, going back and forth, you know, almost like a Looney Tunes episode in some ways, but it works because they're like an old married couple. Like they really are. They, they, they just, I was I was saying to Amanda, this whole episode makes sense. If Odo's like the, the father and Quark is the mother. And you just look at, yeah, of course, it's the Moogie. Um, 
like like he's constantly like kind of laying into him and Odo's like Ugh, and is having to deal with it and kind of throwing his jabs back and uh and then like you know the second like Odo's like just go or I'm gonna go on my own Cork is like no way you know so they're just like they love each other uh in this weird way uh but they need the relationship to like you said I see at the end of the episode that it needs to stay like we're we're enemies, but we're actually we are not friends <laughs> officially. <laughs> officially, but we kind of are. So, um, yeah, I agree with you, Kevin. Though, like that, this episode is great for Odo's. He's got all the best jokes, but Cork does really well to set him up uh, oh, yeah. throughout the episode. Um, and and it's just it was it definitely fun for them to do like a survival episode because it actually is somewhat like it, even though there's a lot of jokes, it is kind of taken somewhat seriously. Uh, you know, that they could die, you know, like I know you, you as the viewer, you know, they won't, but like at the same yeah. time, I think they act it well, you know, that Dave, do, I, you, I, do you agree? I agree. My, my only complaint with this episode, uh, is this where they are and like I guess the color grading mm-hmm. of this place because it's very clear in this episode, uh, even you know, then as it is now. Um, that this is not a cold place that they are in. No. Um, you no, know, I... like we don't see their breath. We it's clearly like a sunny California forest. Yes, they're in the mountains, but they're supposed to be like this really, really cold place. And it's just it doesn't the location doesn't sell it uh, at all. Um, it, it I get it's desolate. There's nothing to eat, and they have and they have to climb up the mountain. That's all. That all sells for me. But the actual like. The fact that they are freezing, um, I don't quite. It's not as believable as it could be. Today they would do a lot of CGI, and they would make it look. They would CGI breath them. They would make it look like it's snowing. They would when they show the whole mountain, they would take off all the green, and they would make it look really like yeah, desolate. They could have uh, done that then, though, couldn't they? Like not CGI, uh, but like, uh, the, like I guess they could have, but they would have had to like like uh, they tra- traveled on location here, and I think they wanted it to look. Wherever they went, I'm guessing they went to Yosemite, which uh, or but where are their mountains? Maybe they went to Colorado to film this. Maybe and like maybe it was not. It was warmer when they got there than they expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're like, it's not just the fact that there's no snow. It's just how bright that sun is. Like this isn't the best shot, but like there's when yeah. they're like they're like, well, how can it be so cold when the sun is shining? And I'm like, I don't know, but you guys are in a clearly like wonderful place that I would love to be. Uh, it's just like how br- bright that sun is uh, in some of these scenes, even when they're kind of walking through the woods. Right. And how uh, like, like there's one point where at the end where Cork is like pushing the thing up the hill and he, it looks really dark like and like maybe like four four o'clock five o'clock and the sun's about to go down and then they showed odo and it looks like it's noon and it's a bright yeah, sunny day right it, the the scene with like yeah um quark pushing that up the the the, the mountain like near the end yeah right like here, here it is actually uh, you believe that this is like i'm like why didn't the whole yeah. episode look like this yeah i think there's there's got to be a story behind what happened here with the overall look of the, the planet that they're on. Uh, they might've had a different idea and then they, was it in the budget? Like there's, there's gotta be an explanation sure because came, it, yeah, it came down to money. It had to have, right? Like, yeah, well, just, they don't want to CGI it. It would end up looking like Farscape. 
Yeah, I, I don't even mean CGI. Even just like a filter on the lens to give it less yeah, of this yeah. like sunny California look. Assuming they were in California, I'm I'm, I'm speculating. But mm -hmm. uh, when you when you clip like yeah like over to Odo in contrast, it doesn't look. It doesn't yeah, look, look cold. We we're Canadians. Cold at all. <laughs> we know what cold looks like. Yeah, we're Canadian. We know. Uh, it looks like kind of like if you ever watched like yeah Free Solo. Like it looks like you know. Well, Yosemite when you get, it can get cold up there, but not like to the point where you're like, you know, you're. I don't know. The, the, that's the one thing. To the point where you need a survival suit. A survival suit, and why is there only one? Like it got blown up, really? Like in there. Like, like my my favorite part of the episode is like how much got blown up. Everything, in this but, everything but one of everything got blown up. Yeah. <laughs> like, so did they keep? Do they keep the the rations next to the most explosive things always? <laughs> I'm always like, it's very convenient that every, like you somehow survived this incredible crash without any injuries, but the replicators destroyed, all the survival things are destroyed, the communications are destroyed. Um, it's just like it keeps going on. He's like, I, everything else I know destroyed in the explosion. Um, but it it creates these circumstances. I love them having to trade the pants and the one though each of them has a glove and. It's just yeah. like so ridiculous. Like it is so, so ridiculous. Good. It's so good. And the fact that like they act like they hate each other, but they really love each other. And it's just there's a lot going on with their relationship that is fun to explore as viewers. It's still laugh at this episode. Like I was laughing at it because the actors pull it off. Like they make you believe that they're they are such oil and water characters, but they also have like the same interests, you know? Like they, they both love crime at the end of the day like you know and <laughs> and they end up talking a lot about that with the orion syndicate which is that the first is this the first mention of the orion syndicate i think that, it is yeah yeah so we're gonna get a, a, a an o'brien episode at one point when he goes and infiltrates the orion syndicate uh but we're not there yet but this is kind of like i guess dropping that episode that they're gonna do that in the future yeah, and the Orion Syndicate will be brought back up again in Enterprise and uh, a few other places too. It's like they they become not just that one O'Brien episode that comes later. They kind of that becomes a, a more and of a lower thing. decks and all lower decks. Yeah, deals with it too. That's true. Yeah, and, and maybe it's like all like something that was set up for this episode, or maybe they're like, no, we're going to do an episode later, and then they drop it in this episode. I wonder how like what the writing process is there, because. Like, you know, when, yeah, when they bring up like a section 31 and then whatever, and it just becomes like this canon thing that goes on forever. Is that always the intention or is it more like, no, we're, we wanted to just have an excuse for why Quark needs to be arrested here. And, you know, you know what I'm trying I, to say? I, yeah, I do. I think with this, but I think it can be either or, but I think in this case, uh, it's definitely something they wanted to set up. And you can see that that's happening quite a bit in the writing uh in these seasons i get i think in season four onward d space nine they were like they were like okay we're like the main show on tv along with voyager but we're back here in like the you know the alpha quadrant where things are happening and voyager you know they can deal with palaxians and all that kind of crap right and uh whatever's going on and so they i think that they were setting up even in the rise episode they're setting they're they're putting all these things in like the in the dialogue, like talk about floaters and talking about different things you can do on Ryza that I think um, they were, they were paving the way for like, we're going to establish these things about, um, about this universe, right? Like they, they do a ton of that with the Ferengi, right? Like about showing us the Ferengi homeworld and, uh, and showing us what, uh, you know, obviously Bajor is a big part of that and Cardassia and everything else. Right. And they're like, mm -hmm. 
let's let's talk about the Orion Syndicate and like maybe this criminal underworld organization, which they had never really gotten into before. Um, you know, kind I of think Deep Space Nine stuff. did the most heavy lifting for for world building yeah. out of the series, and it's probably I think it's it's two reasons. It's probably I think the writers were especially creative. They had a chemistry together. And also, it's a stationary place, so you yeah. can world build, right? Like, right. Yep, I agree. Yeah. And not only that, the with the thing with Voyager is they world built for the Delta Quadrant, you know. Yeah. So it was all brand yeah. new. But they're nomadic, right? They're always moving through another sector, you know, right. uh, as the seasons go on. Uh, whereas, yeah, like things keep are very more circular on D Space Nine. Yeah. For that for the stationary purposes of it right yeah one's so. linear and one's a circle that's definitely true and the, if you look at like their journeys are both that way too like you know like voyager's journey is a complete linear it's a line it's got a beginning and it's got an end they're traveling through the delta watcher deep space nine is a circle it's constantly like characters coming back and forth like you know we got the klingons and we got the cardassians and then the klingons again and then the cardassians the and the dominion <laughs> comes and then, you know so it's like very circular in that way uh so that's kind of cool yeah um but it was but I was also just thrown off in this episode, like the Federation grand jury wants to talk to you, Quark. Well, come on, I'm taking you for a, it's a week long trip on a runabout, I guess, right? Eight days it was going to take to get there to run about each way. So like for six, so like Quark, Odo was like, screw my job. I'm taking Quark for 16, at least 16 days to this place. You know, like it's like a month uh, almost like by the time they get back, probably. And it was just like, I was like, what the hell? Like, is this what Odo doesn't have a job to do? Yeah, he's just like, nobody die while I'm gone. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of <laughs> jobs to do, how do you miss a bomb being planted on your runabout? <laughs> and look who has joined us. Somebody who was in this episode. Worf, son of Moog. How are you tonight? I am well. How are you, Jeff of House Nine-ish? I am well. Uh, you know, we're here talking about an episode that you are in. You briefly you Which saved the you day. Talking about War it's the it's season five, episode nine, the ascent, where Quark and Odo must climb a mountain uh, as an old married couple to save their lives. And guess who comes to the rescue? You do, Worf, son of Moke. Worf is a great hero. Even save is... lowly Ferengis and potentially. Yes, they well, they need saving, and Worf is there to save them. Um, uh, Dave, you weren't here the last time Worf, son of Moog, dropped by, but uh, you know, say hello to Worf, son of Moog. Kapla. Hello again, Dave of House Savoy. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello, Worf, son of Moog of the House of Martok. Worf, have you yes. ever played his? Worf, have you ever played Fizbin? No. Worf does not play games. Well. Just opera. Unlike Bashir and O'Brien who play with toys. I like thought children. you. I do not play games. I thought you played some poker over on the Enterprise. So I was wondering if you ever dabbled with a game of Fizbin. But if you didn't, uh, you know, we have a. Go, oh, go ahead, Worf. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, did you know on the Enterprise I was considered quite humorous? <laughs> I did. I did know. Well, only Riker told me that. Um, oh. But, you know, I didn't ask the others. Um, oh. Okay. Uh, but with Fizbin, 
did you know that you can you if you get a jack at night on Tuesday, well that's good. <laughs> uh a jack on Tuesday. On Tuesday at night, not in the morning. Tuesday is an honorable day. <laughs> Tuesday, it's Mars Day. Yes, Thursday. Yes. No, that's Thursday. That's Thursday. That's Thursday. Uh, right. Know. How about cling on joke, for example? What do you call an alien you can't get rid of? What? A cling on. <laughs> <laughs> when Alexander laughed when, when you told him that one Alexander has no sense of humor <laughs> okay um, no, he does a klutz so physical comedy he gets but it's not on purpose <laughs> Better send him off with uh, the Roshenkos. They know they know how to handle them. Yeah, the Roshenkos. <laughs> son of the Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, all right, but we have another son here in this episode, Jake, the son of Cisco, and he's having a hard yes. time fit, fitting in, living with Nog. Mm, yes, Kevin, living with a yep. Ferengi must be intolerable situation. <laughs> Well, I I don't think it's the Ferengi part that's intolerable. It's the fact that he's in Starfleet. Yeah, he doesn't um, like the he doesn't like the uniform, Worf. Um, I, I would die of embarrassment wearing those pajamas. Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten for that uniform. Well, for Jake's uniform, or no, or Jake for, four out of ten. Four out of ten for Jake. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. He doesn't have much of a collar, Jake. If he thinks what Wesley or what he's wearing, what Nog is wearing is rough, you should have seen what Wesley was wearing. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's projection. Wesley was dressed by his mother. <laughs> it's very clear. Yes. Yeah. Um, I still do like the the uh, cadet uniform quite a bit that Nog wears. Uh, I think we've seen it before, right? We saw it in the, the last season. Was kind of the first time we saw it when they went to Earth. Why uh, does he have pockets on his pants? We gotta carry things, man. You're a student, but the, none of the other people have pockets. No, I think they should have pockets. Maybe I don't know. Um, I always find that interesting. I'm like, why does why does like it makes sense like to have a pocket? You know, you throw a tricorder in there or whatever, but. I don't really understand why none of the rest of them wear have a pocket. Um, well, some uniforms have them, like the Enterprise uniforms have pockets, and uh, oh, yeah. yeah, which apparently Jonathan Frakes was quite jealous of because he always wished he could put his hands in his pockets during those years. Uh, but well, here's what are you trying to hide, Frakes? <laughs> what do you think? Tiny what do you, Worf? What do you think he was trying to hide? Did he have some bubble gum you wanted to put in there, or what, what? What? Probably poker chips, or perhaps the ace spades. Ace he spades. is a known poker cheater. Yes. Did you know and I was also have... considered quite humorous on DC Nine? <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Take this Klingon joke for example. <laughs> Did you know why no one in the Star Trek universe can tie a necktie? 
No. Uh, because they're all used to Klingons. <laughs> Instead of clip-ons? Yes. <laughs> you, get, you get the joke, Jeff, of House Nine-ish. <laughs> you have a great sense of humor. Uh, I do. I like it. Um, it is a dad joke, a dad Klingon joke. I am a great father. You are. You are. That's Deba- debatable. That's debatable. <laughs> what people think about war if they think great dad. Is, is that what we are debating on trivial debates? <laughs> well, hey, don't bear the lead, you know. Yeah. But yes, uh, it could be. Uh, that's up so. to Max, who's not a father. So probably not. Max of House Duda. Uh, House Duda. <laughs> yes. Mm, that's yes. Um, you know, okay. Uh, w- with the whole Nog and Jake thing, um, I just think they're friends really sometimes because they're the same age. Sometimes I'm like, well, these guys really wouldn't hang out, you know? It's just like, like they, you know what I mean? Like, I find sometimes I'm like, with these guys, like, they're going in different directions. One's all about, like, ah, I'm trying to impress people and I'm trying to. Uh, you know, move up the ranks and the military ranks and Nog, whereas like Jake, I find it's just like, I want to write and do my own thing and I don't really need to worry about um, you know, impressing anybody, you know, so I think that's kind of the conflict here. Do you kind of see it the same way, Kevin? Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, of course they were friends when they were young and they're going to continue that friendship, but you do sometimes outgrow those early friendships and that's what I imagine would happen with them. Yeah. Uh, joining us is Jamil Robinson. Jamil, say hello to the illustrious panel. We have Dave Mater, Fizz, the Fizzman Grand Matt Mater. Uh, we also have oh, Worf. Shit, I forgot an ass. We, <laughs> we, we also have Worf, son of Moog. Jamil, what do you have to say about this episode? The Ascent. Today is a good day to review. Yes, it is a good day to review. <laughs> <laughs> but yesterday it's was a great day for Popeye. of House Robinson. <laughs> Kapla! Kapla! <laughs> yes, yesterday was indeed a good day for pie as well. It was pie it's always day. a good day for pie. Yes. As Janeway would say, pecan pie. <laughs> Pecan with her cucumber sandwiches. Um, the ascent. Uh, outside of uh, thinking of the uh, Kelly Clarkson song, uh, this I, I like this episode a lot, and not because of the B storyline, which is typical. Um, the only thing that's missing from the B storyline is them, you know, painting a line in the middle of the actual apartment and saying, "You stay on your side, and I stay on my side." They kind of skipped over that part. That uh, trope. Um, Your side, my side. Your side, my side. That's a Farscape <laughs> reference. So uh, that part Dwarf aside, <laughs> that part aside, the actual A storyline is really cements home how much the two characters care about each other. Truly care about each other enough yes. that they will continue to hate each other's guts. But have this understanding that they truly love each other and don't really want to admit it to one another. That's like their whole back and forth. Will they won't? They're the will they won't they of this of this show. Definitely, right? And not romantically though. It, but it like loving wise, like they both it's love the each concept. other. 
of it. Yeah. Did Odo yeah. join the House of Quark? Um, I think I think he would he would, but he would consider it dishonorable. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were missing is like one of them reaching out their hand, and then we see the other hand, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the credits. And then we could also use some like Grey's Anatomy sad like indie folk song here at the end too. I think would have been good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeff, they I, seem I, to I, be confined to those beds. What they need is someone to stab them in the heart for them. <laughs> Jeff, I'm no. going to go on the on the record here tonight. Yes, that we got our first appearance of Changeling Bashir. Wow, um, this is this is the first appearance of House Savoy. Months old. This is the yeah. first appearance of Changeling Bashir right here. Or if you were on set, you uh, you understand kind of the <laughs> dynamics of real Bashir and fake Bashir. What do you think that the replacement Changeling Bashir came onto the show? Yes, I have not seen regular Bashir since season two. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't even you in season two. You weren't two. even there. You were, you were yes, on I have. In fact, I have never known Julian. <laughs> <laughs> Never well, the, the real Julian. Have any of us? I mean, really? No. Because Jeff, uh, next week, next week's episode is Rapture, and that is the first appearance of the uh, of the gray shoulder uniform. This is the end of the old of the my my favorite uniform, which is the uh, you know the, the colored shoulders, the gray undershirt. Uh, this uniform. Years. No, that's not my favorite uniform. No, the color uh, on the shoulders color on the shoulders like the voyager uniform basically and um but th but that because we know when we find the real bashir later on a couple episodes down the road from now uh he'll be in the old uniform that this has to be the changeling bashir tonight well, why do you say it has to be this time because it was confirmed that he was replaced before the episode rapture which i just said is next week Yes. So, so it would. Uh, but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean it has to be the episode directly before. No, but it, it's at least. So this is this is Changeling Bashir at least, right? It's just about how far back we have to, we can we can confirm it. Now, Jeff already told you how far back. I know it's like middle of season four for Jeff. <laughs> no, but, uh, season five, episode one. I'm on record uh, from the beginning of the season. I know I you're on record, <laughs> and I'm here to dispute. Your theory, uh, and say that does not this... does not Julian state in the episode whatever it's called when they're in the prison <laughs> how long he's been there? Doesn't he state that? He does. Uh, I mean, he says, uh, "Well, it, even when when they at the end of that two parter, I guess uh, it's not even a true two parter, but when uh, when O'Brien says, I've been hanging out with a changeling for a month, basically five weeks.'" Is about the amount of time. It's not, and if you put him into episode one, you're talking about about a matter of like months, months and months, uh, instead of weeks. What if there is no real Julian Bashir? <laughs> They're both changelings. <laughs> yes, two kings. Hey, get off! This is my assignment. <laughs> oh no! Worf has fallen. Worf, oh, he's back. <laughs> now it, it could have been a changeling last week as well in uh in things past uh potentially uh as well 
Mm-hmm. I, 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 I just don't see that the changeling Bashir went to Ryza and did the whole breakup with Lita and on those ways. It's not impossible. It's not, but it just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I know Jamil's there wanting to argue. It could be, and okay, I know it could okay. be. But. Game of House Savoy, Worf would never join a right-wing cult on Ryza. That was Changeling Worf. Changeling Worf. Okay, of course. Yes, <laughs> Changeling Worf. That would make that episode make a lot more sense. Take uh, it to the bank, que- Jamil of House Robinson. Question here: What year is this episode? Uh, this year, this episode is like well, six. Right? Yeah, but the year is twenty three seventy seventy three. Twenty twenty two, Sam Higdon. Uh. And and Sam wants to know what is the best episode of D Space Nine. Well, we're finding uh, that out. That's what we're trying to get to. Most people would say right in the there, pale moonlight. You see behind Worf. No, it is far beyond the stars. Followed by in the pale moonlight. See, so, yeah, it, it's argued, Sam. Yeah. But those are those are probably the two best. Yes. And the two best episodes of Star Trek. I would I would also contend that the, I would say the top five are probably Deep Space Nine episodes. Um, this one's this one's up there though. Like this this is a good episode for you know I think where everyone can watch it at any time and it's kind of a timeless episode. And I think you will laugh. You'll appreciate the performances, especially with Cork and Odo. Like like Jamil was saying, the the B storyline here is it's kind of cute. You know, you got Cisco dealing with his son and also Nog, who's also his like kind of de facto son. Uh, but you know, at the uh, you know, and then you get the dad conversation with, with Cisco and Rom. So that's all fun, but it's kind yeah, of I like love that. Uh, it's so awkward. It's yeah, it's so awkward and which is kind of interesting and delicious to like watch. You're like, Oh my god, what 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 are these two really gonna talk about? And there's a lot of like quiet. You see like, the look on his face, like Cisco is just like, Yeah, be my guest. Sit down with me. It's like it, what did he see? Doesn't he get slug juice or something like that? Double he gets a double else. He gets a double well, of slug juice. He gets a yeah. double of slug juice. He sits down and <laughs> um, he kind of bitches about O'Brien. And no, he bitches about Nog and he's bordering him around. You get, you know, there's a lot going on here with this scene that's kind of just fun. Um, that, like, it's it's a Bajoran officer talking to a Starfleet officer. So he's not as direct, like, superior in some ways, but at the same time, he's in charge of everything. So, but like, and then it just turns into a dad conversation, which is really interesting. Talk about their two kids, right? You know, yeah. uh, I think like, which is rare well, to see on, on anything. We, we don't necessarily see dads. Dadding. Yeah. Lot. Not often. His no. slug. Wolf dad. Because Worf is the greatest and most glorious of dads. <laughs> Barely knows he has a son. Most of the time. <laughs> He did. Wolf has two sons. He has Alexander and that 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 boy who lost his parents that time. Yeah. Jeremy. Who we, we can't remember. Yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy is also my son. Slicked back hair. Jeremy, Jeremy. and Alexander. Is Jeremy going to come I, back? I think he'll come often and uh, talk to them almost never. <laughs> I need Jeremy to come back in Picard. Jeremy, no, in Picard we need um, Jason Vigo. 
That's a callback. Jason Vigo. Fourth remembers Jason Vigo. Does Picard remember Jason Vigo is the question. He is Vigo. He is Vigo. Don't you want to move the world? Work has an yeah. good authority that Picard does not remember Jason Vigo. Worf barely remembered Q last episode. I was like, okay. I mean, uh, not Worf, uh, Picard. Picard, he barely remembered Q. He was like, oh, yeah, he usually tries to trick me. And we have to figure out some. Yeah, that guy. It's like, yeah, you've met him multiple times. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, uh, well, that's a different episode. We're talking about Cork and Odo walk up a mountain because that's the whole premise of this episode is they're in the runabout and they must get to the highest possible spot, which seems like bad technology. Like if you have like an emergency pack, like it's not like the runabout's destroyed. They should have an emergency pack that should be able to do a distress signal. It got destroyed. Really? Like the runabout (laughs) was fine. You I know, do want to they, point out here, though, that, like, yes, they have no food, except for those two ration packs, right? But, like, we see them very early on. They go by, like, this stream that looks like it's doing pretty well, so that we know they have access to water, at least. Yeah, they, and they could could they not figure out fire? They could uh, get jetty from that stream. Like, I feel like if Survivor Man, like, reviewed this episode, he'd be like, why aren't they drinking out of that stream? Why aren't they, yeah, you Survivor know? Survivor Man would be like, Jenny's for like bitches. Why don't they <laughs> tap the trees for, for syrup? For, for syrup. Sap. There's some uh, good sugar. Said... There's electrolytes. Yep. Odo says, from what I could tell, all the plants are poisonous. I don't know how he can tell. How did he tell that? He's, he's, yeah. I've been le- learning from Keiko. She's been teaching me about plants. <laughs> <laughs> Keiko comes to the planet. Leaves, like, everything is Keiko says, leaves of three... <laughs> Let them be. <laughs> I need a Keiko teaching Odo uh, horticulture and botany. Um, There's not enough Keiko. Keiko is a great undersung character. Yes, you delivered her baby. Remember that? Yes. No, I I know. <laughs> this this is an episode that will be away a on vacation. It requires a yeah. follow up because I'm like they like j- like. Like a, a B storyline come back to this planet. Keiko's like, you could have ate this, you could have had this, you could have had this. <laughs> Do you not see fish? Look, look, there's fish there. Did you guys you not think- know you were stranded in a paradise? <laughs> I, I, it is interesting that both these characters I find don't even really consider trying to survive off where they are. They're like, it's too cold, even though it's a sunny day, there's not much of a sun. And, you know, it's kind of interesting to me that they don't even really try to, like, start a fire or hunker down for the night. It's just a straight shot for, like, I guess they say six days at one point to walk up the mountain, which is in the background of this uh, of this chat right now, that they have to get up there. Like, that's where Quark ends up getting. Like, I, what? With no food? Yeah, right. I mean. Jeff of House Nunish. Yes. Ferengi's eat so, bugs. So, wait. Murph right. is a survivalist and tell you for certain, bugs are everywhere. A Ferengi so. never run out of food. 
Well, that's you would think that they are exactly Ferengi should be the ideal survivalist here. He should be turning rocks over. There's lots of rocks. There's no phaser that they could have to heat up a rock. (laughs) It got blown up. Everything was destroyed in the explosion. (laughs) Anything of use except for one survival suit and uh, and the transmitter and two ration packs and and a knife. Thankfully, they had a knife or sharp object to make the robe. There's an oh, yeah. more profit in death than survival because you can desiccate your remains and make a good, a, a tidy sum. It's interesting because, okay, last night on the Enterprise podcast, we were talking about the episode Shuttle Pod 1, and it was it was two guys stuck in a, in a shuttle basically running out of air and then trying to, you know, figure out how to survive and everything else. It, uh, thematically ties well in with this uh, episode tonight because it's just about these two guys trying to survive and how their two at- respective attitudes are conflicting with each other, you know, um, you know, both kind of, especially with Quark, just assuming that they're going to die pretty much the whole time. Uh, real, real optimist. David well, Savoy, a- what yes. is your position on Paul's bomb? Oh, uh, I, my position uh, is much like Mr. Reed's, uh, which, you know, if you asked him, uh, where is he? That bum. You think? She's got an awfully nice bum. She's got an awfully nice bum, according to uh, to Malcolm Reed. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Lord, um, in, in this episode here, there's they they seem to have a line for everything that we're criticizing. They have a line for the sun, or it seems too warm. They're like, it's not. It just looks warm. They're they're like, oh, there's bugs. There's got to be bugs everywhere for Quark to eat. There's no bugs. There's nothing but trees and 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 dirt rocks. and rocks and, and like literally like everything that you're like, well, like, couldn't they survive this way? No, this this is they're basically on a moon. Is you know there are so definitely it. bugs. There has to be. There's like there's you can't have plants tree. without bugs. Exactly. Yeah. So like I mean I think they needed to make this episode look more like they were on a moon. You know that would have been better. That's the one criticism I think. We, you know, but then they would be like, "How's how does oxygen work?" <laughs> right. Yeah. However, the there plants. is the one episode where Quark says he doesn't like bugs; he likes Ferengi bugs. That's true. <laughs> true. True. He's selective and he's bugs. He doesn't eat any bug. He comes. Across. Yeah, but I assume that if there was a difference between life and death, uh, that preference would change mighty quickly. Mm-hmm. How much profit is there in life and death, Jamil of House Robinson? Um, let, let me bring up my rules of acquisition. Uh, hold on a second. Give me a second. I'll, I'll come back to me. Come back to Jamil of House Robinson. We will. We will. Uh, but here with the ascent, they, you know, eventually they get to a point where they get into a fight and they, they end up calling each other, uh, you know, all sorts of names. Uh, you know, they, they've walked up 10,000 feet in altitude or something because that's what Quark's counting. And they get to a point where, uh, you know, they're telling each other they hate each other. They get into a shoving match. And then Odo eventually hurts his leg. Breaks his leg. Yeah. Yeah. Breaks his leg. He's in really bad shape. And, and you know, so and, and kind of what um, Jamil said earlier that this is the type of stuff where you realize that these two actually really love each other, just don't like showing it to each other. Where it's like, I'm gonna build you a stretcher 
you know, drag you up this mountain. Yeah, and drag you out there up. with um with Oda's broken leg. It still, it still freaks me out when I see it like that. Like, that's not right. Yeah, I wonder how they they must have just like made him like roll his leg up and then they put a dummy's leg in there. Just oh yeah, it. like it's not like yeah. an impressive special effect, but it just looks <laughs> it looks. Ugh. You know, Ferengi's are double jointed. He is fine. You know, and, like, and 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 that was that was Odo. He's also you know you would think he'd be you know he was formerly make a new uh, Odo. Yeah, make a new one. Yeah. Um. You know, he does say Odo does say in this episode, Worf, that if he was still a changeling, he would fly into a, like a condor or something and fly a, a pterodactyl. Oh, is that a pterodactyl? A pterodactyl. Um, um, yeah. How, how much soon? How soon does Odo get his changeling abilities back? Pretty like later this season, right? So yeah, it's not very long that he's a solid. Yeah, they could only do this episode in the in these circumstances during this very kind of brief period in time where yeah. Odo was humanoid. unless they put a whammy on the planet saying that he can't change due to the you know the poles magnetism which you know allows <laughs> the trees to grow and no uh, like uh, insect life to be present you know also right. puts a whammy on his powers too. Like they, they be... could make up whatever just to suit this Impossible. episode because it kind of feels like they're doing themselves. that. <laughs> yeah. Go, like... go ahead, Jamil of House Robinson. <laughs> um, How do rules of acquisition number on 125. Planet. Rules of acquisition number 125, which is you can't make a deal if you're dead. That's, That's why life no, is important. But you can cross the river of blood to Stovokor. <laughs> uh, all right. I think the, the question we haven't quite asked here, at least I haven't, is why does Quark care so much about Odo? Odo's always on his ass. He's always trying to arrest them. What, like, I kind of understand why Odo needs Quark. He's kind of a lonely guy. They, they allude to this in the episode. He doesn't really have much until he became a, 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 um, a human. He didn't really understand, like, the finer things in life. That's kind of like the whole setup of this episode. And then, you know, so I understand like, he needs Quark. It's kind of like his. The thing that keeps him going is his work, and Quark's a big part of his work. Why does Quark love Odo so much, though? I know um, why. I'm not Dave. trying to rescue oh, you. I'm taking you along as emergency rations. <laughs> if you die, I'm going to eat you. Yeah, he's just he's just food. For uh, I think Quark is kind of a lonely guy. No, no. Kevin, Quark's... what do you say? What? <laughs> I, said, I, no. think, I think Quark is kind of a lonely guy, too. Yes, he uh, he doesn't really have friends, and especially his own kind, really. And his right. brother, he doesn't really relate to. Nog, he doesn't really relate to. So I think he yes. he kind of Jed, relates Jed, to Odo. Jadzia is his friend. Yeah, Worf, sort of. Odo is the most consistent thing in Quark's life, and he appreciates yes. that. He's the rock in Worf's life in Quark's life. The Rock and Worf's oh. life is Alexander and Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> and Dax. And too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Who Dax? Who's Dax? Who's Dax? Who's Dax? <laughs> I'm sorry, not Dax. Jedzia. Jedzia. Um, uh, okay, He's the so most consistent here... thing in Quark's life. 
yeah. be an antagonist as it may be. I agree. I think Who they both docs. They both Fox? need each. They both need each other for those reasons. They both need. Um, you know, they're both like I was saying earlier. They both are really into crime, and, and they both kind of really uh, are loners and kind of identify with each other in that way. And that's why I think they they if they didn't have each other, what would they have? They, their life would be kind of boring, and they they can't have that. It's like a cat um, and both mouse sneaky. thing. Yes, sneaky, very sneaky. Yes, they, they, uh, they both like the chase. I think is what it comes mm-hmm. down to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Quark likes to chase a profit and money and, and um, see what status. he can get away with, too, right? Yep. See what he can get away with and kind of like uh, it proves his intelligence, I feel like. And, and then Odo is, you know, he's like, I'm always one step ahead of you. I'm smarter than you. But I'm he's actually law, kind of, man. But he's kind of impressed with Quark because of how easily, like, he's always into something and it's always interesting, I think, for Odo. Right. I think that Odo Odo's like, I'm going to nail you one of these days and I'm going to send you to a Federation penal colony for the rest of your life. But, you know, he's um, it's but, you know, what what would Odo do next? I don't happened? think he would. I think Odo would go out of his way unless he like Cork killed somebody, murdered somebody or something like that. I think Odo would go out of his way to cover up for Cork. Well, like later on when Cork does the whole like selling weapons thing, you know, I think everybody kind of like says you've gone too far right not just odo everybody right like it, yeah uh, when, when that happens so like they, they all they're all they're willing to put up a, with a little bit of his uh his antics on the station his petty crimes and things like that but like that that has uh if, if you're dealing with the orion syndicate i think that would be a whole new yeah. uh, thing right? i don't think he would like cover up he would probably say you know what his sentence should be a ds9 serving you know um at his brother's bar is like um like some kind of punishment that keeps him close so he can gloat over him right because him behind bars as great as that would be for odo like he would be smug about it he would want to see like you know quark there day after day and know that he won even if it was for a short period of time he wants that chase happening he wants that chase coming back to that. If he's away behind bars, what is he going to do? He's going to go and visit him every couple of months to just recap and how he, you know, foiled whatever plans on DS9. Odo would be lonely. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, I th- I think that's kind of the crux of their relationship is, yeah, they both seem to need each other and they're both constants in each other's lives. Um, we also, okay, so then we got the little solution scene here with Cisco and Jake and Nog where Jake says, hey, look, Jake, I made up this rule that, you know, only two people can be in a quarters now. So, um, you know, I found, found your roommate and it's Nog walks in and it's like, oh, no, you know, because earlier they had just been fighting. I kind of missed that part. They got into a big fight. You know, <laughs> Dave's been playing the the uh, the uh, audio of it. You know, of like, oh, you're wearing pajamas, and you you know, you want to get up. I die of embarrassment wearing those pajamas. Right. You also said disposal Jake, is spelled with an I. Disposal is spelled with an I. Nog points out to Jake. I'm like, as opposed to what? A Y? Yeah, I wonder how Jake spelled it. He was flowing with the, you know, he's, he's floating with the narrative juices. He has no time for spelling and grammar. He's getting his a writer words out. and a poet. Yeah. He might have spelled it with an E. Desposal. Desposal. Um, I must leave you all. Extra large. 
Oh, Worf, are you off? Thank you, Worf. On the Enterprise, I was considered quite humorous. Do you have another Klingon joke for us? Take this Klingon joke, for example. How fast can Klingons run? How fast can Klingons run? How fast? About warp speed. <laughs> waka waka. Warp speed. That's a good one. I didn't see that one coming. Uh, before you go, uh, Warp. From a Klingon. Before, before you go, Warf, we should we should point out that you will be uh, you will be competing in the next edition of Trivial Debates. <laughs> yes, the, the truth is to be won. We're gonna find out who the greatest of all time is. Is it is it Jamil? Is it Jody? Or is it Warf, son of Moog? It's just it's just Warf, son of Moog. The truth is to be won. <laughs> I've I've got to tune in for that episode. <laughs> Max doesn't know what he's got on his hands. Mia Robinson, do you know not know that the truth is to be won? Do you know that you face a Klingon in this debate? Worf, I'm going to leave you with some words. Okay? Leave you with some words. Worf loves words. (laughs) Hear the words. Especially honor and glory, the two best words. Work (laughs) pays off. Dreams come true. Yes. Bad times don't last, but the bad guy do. Oh, it's a Razor Ramon. Razor Ramon. Scott Hall. Rest in peace. He's in Stovacor now. Stovacor! (laughs) You'll find out. I shall see him there, but not from this debate. <laughs> well, thank you, Worf, son of Bug, for joining us yet again here on DC's Night of Diamonds. We will see you next time. Uh, we will see you on Trivial Debates in 12 days. Good night, those of House Nineish. <laughs> Good night, Worf. Thank you, Worf. Okay. Um, Thank you. That was great that Worf, son of Moog, was able to stop by. He's a fan favorite over here on DC's Night of Diamonds. Um, we also have here. Uh, yeah, I was just getting to the Cisco and Jake. You know, he's basically saying like, "Yo, uh, Nog, you are, you are moving back in with Jake." And Jake's like, "Ah," and he like he kind of like hits him back on the shoulder, which is kind of one of my favorite moments of this episode. It's like, like he, Cisco does it first. Like he gets that shoulder arm down, where it's like, "Yeah," and then Jake tries to do it back to him, but fails. It's actually really <laughs> great, and. And he's like, look, you're living together or you're moving back in with me. You know, that's it. You know, <laughs> who who was right in this situation? Like between Jake and Sis, like his Jake like and Nog. Oh, Dave, Jake and Nog. I would, I would love to hear Jake uh, to Dave's uh, opinion on it. Who's right between Nog and Jake? Mm-hmm. Uh, Nog's right. Of course. I figured he I could set a watch to- <laughs> You, they're both to Dave's in the Nog category, but I think Nog is more wrong. <laughs> I agree. I think uh, they're both wrong, but Nog's more arrogant about it. Nog is trying to change. He walked in trying to change his best friend, and yeah, Cisco is or uh, Jake is not doing that. He's just Nog- trying to live. 
Nog also, you know, insulted his muscles and said he needed to, you know, pump some iron. As that was a weak turn, though. Ciroc clearly has more muscles than Aaron Eisenberg. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's, yeah. it's like so ridiculous. Like, you know, he, he's I, like, I'm like, yeah, you got bigger guns than him. Don't worry, Jake. It's all right. Yeah, I I think maybe like that that lines in there on purpose because you know like <laughs> it's it is so funny and ironic, but at the same time it's. <laughs> It is. It's interesting, and I think everyone's kind of had a friend where it's like, you know, okay, where they get into like a phase, and it's just like, you know what? No, like I'm, you know, I'm doing this, and you should too, or something like that. You well, know, it's like, like Jake or Nog did is in the military now, I guess, right? And you know, so he's he's of course this is going to have an effect on him, and Jake should be like having grown up as the son of a Starfleet officer should be a little bit more used to this. Uh, you know, he's he moved I get, away from this dude. Well, he, he who is he moving in it. with? He knew he was moving in with Nog, who's going to be. Before they even moved in with each other, Nog was saying he was going to whip him into shape. And, Before and he even Cisco, knew what he was like. Cisco was inspired by that. Yeah. So, so Nog what, is wrong. He's moving in with Cisco. He's moving in with Jake. Right? Who's he trying to appease? Right? Jake was excited for them to be spending time together. Right? Different approaches completely. Jake just wants to lay around and write stories about Domjot. That's <laughs> he's, a, he's a lazy and sucker of society. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he's a starving artist. Look, drinking his Both orange of them juice. them are wrong because they should never have moved in with each other. Well, yeah, that's that's clear. But I, I had an opportunity to move in with, with a friend of mine, and I told him straight up, I'm like, I can't move in with you because I would literally want to kill you. So, for the sake of our like friendship, be too much like Nog, and trying. I would be... end up being too much at Nog, and that's the scary thing. Okay, <laughs> because although I may be messy, he is a lot more messy than I am. <laughs> a lot, right? right. Like first time right. I went over to this person's apartment, I I'm like I can't take it anymore, and I went and I washed every single dish in the person's house. Mm hmm. I, I wonder. That's not a normal thing. I don't think son, Worf, son of Moog, would would have would appreciate it either. Here, uh, this one, though. I'll do the clean on the odd number days, and you'll do it on the even ones. We're going to clean every day. No, just the odd and even ones. No, just the odd and even ones. <laughs> just Come the on. odd and even ones. Well, see, he says we're gonna clean every day. No, one of them was gonna clean on the even days, and one of them was gonna. They weren't Again, gonna do it together. No. He's got a better command of the English language and grammar than Jake, the writer, who's human. No, it sounds very... It, it's not inspiring. There's no emotion behind the words. You can be technically better at the language, but if it does not flow, if it does not inspire or compel people to feel, then what use is that language to communicate? To bark orders? No. A writer and a poet. Thank, Thank you. you. Like yeah, to be fair, cool. Jake should have a little more respect for his roommate and clean shit up. But yes, the, the last part was it. he was he was purposely a mess in that last. Just put yeah. your plate back in the replicator. It's like it, it, the replicator doesn't will clean it for you. He'll you do it when he gets it. up, man. He was yeah. in the flow of Domjot. so yeah. much so that he embarrassed Captain Cisco. Yeah. He's like, is it that hard to put a plate back in the replicator? replicator? Come on. Yeah, come on. Um, 
okay so it's basically yeah live with dog or live with me you're not living by yourself and i think this is also good though for jake like i think if he's on his own by himself that wouldn't go well here in his early 20s or whatever he is he's, he might even be like 18 or 19 you know he needs some sort of social interaction with somebody um and this so is yeah, double this girls is the- this is the plot of Demolition Man, where you got to get Benjamin Brad and you got to get uh, um, who's the other one, uh, Dennis Sandra. Leary together. You know, you got you get a little dirty and you get a little clean. You guys will sort each other out. So they kind <laughs> of complement each other if they can kind of learn to accept each other's differences. Do you do you know the the ta- name of the two main characters? Friendly, You're, isn't it like one Edgar? No, Friendly? that's Edgar Friendly. That's um, that's I'm that's talking about the two main characters of. Uh, uh, Sandra Bullock and John, John, John Spartan. Spartan. Spartan, yeah, and, and Sandra Bullock's uh, name, Lenina Huxley. Yes, yes correct. Lenina Huxley. They, they say names so much in that movie. You were they retain, and uh, and then uh, Simon Phoenix, of course, is Simon Phoenix. Uh, yeah. Great, great. Simon villain. says, "Die." <laughs> <laughs> Wesley Snipes is so good in that movie. Um, like that especially movie, when like that, that movie is heavy, heavily edited. There's like about forty minutes. That's, missing, yeah, it's missing. Hmm. Uh, the the ticket. Remember the when the tickets are coming out and he's swearing and. Yeah. But there's two scenes. There's one with Simon Phoenix and there's one with John Spartan. They're both hilarious. Uh, with the tickets. Getting the t- the toilet paper. The toilet paper. Yeah. Do I use the three seashells? <laughs> this is going to turn into a demolition man podcast. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny that you brought that comparison up. Um, okay, so then, yeah, Quirk somehow makes it to the top of that mountain. Makes no sense how he did it. Odo has this whole scene where he doesn't believe that Quirk's going to do it. And he has this great speech where he's like, you know, he's, he says, it looks like Quirk didn't make it. You'll find his body about halfway up the mountain. Yeah, a little like further up the slope. Like, not, not giving him any credit. He's like, he maybe made it a kilometer. Who cares? Like... <laughs> Yeah, and he starts talking about like, yeah, he'd want to vacuum, uh, vacuum his remains, and though they're not worth much, although like, they're not worth much, he's just, like, it's just throwing in jab after jab. Yeah, he it, thinks he thinks Quark is dead for the record, yeah. <laughs> but he yeah. can't help but throw jabs in <laughs> to his log. <laughs> he's like, what's that? I shoot me in the wormhole. I might end up where I began, or something like that. And it's like he says, or better yet, we never get to find out what the or better yet was. Um. But yeah, like I thought it was kind of sad here. And it was also kind of just interesting seeing them use like the communicators, just like a recording device. You don't see that it done in that way very often. Um, where he just hits the button and he goes, start recording, uh, you know, and he, he kind of gives his own obituary a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, and then that's when we get War Son of Moog. Uh, he <laughs> say, you know, he's there to save the day, and Dax explains what happened. And changing like Bashir. Changing Bashir is gonna somehow know to inject him with the right um, IV. Uh, yeah, so and how, then we get to fight. Yeah, go ahead. How impersonal is that? Look, there's like standing back. It's like, oh, you guys, you guys are alive. I'm so happy. I look, know. look at that. The body language is like, oh, you're still alive. Yeah, like they're disappointed almost. <laughs> yeah, they're standing with their hands behind their back. You know, like at least taxes, and it's just like, isn't like Odo really hurt here? Couldn't he, like, you know, you think he would oh, get nice. closer? You think he would get closer to him? I know the medical guy gets in there first, I guess, but 
Changeling yeah. Bashir was going to get there first. That's one thing I think on TNG they would have done differently. It would have if like Riker had been there or something. Like he would have been right there, hey, on his knee. You know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, I think it would have been a, a staged differently completely. Yeah, yeah, no, probably. But it's Odo, so <laughs> yeah, don't, Odo probably would have been like, get off me, don't get, get off me. <laughs> Stay at least two feet away with your hands behind your back. And he's more <laughs> mad that Quark made it and saved the day. <laughs> Than he is about anything. Like, they're, they're relieved that he's alive. He's mad because Quark saved his life, and he's gonna have to give him credit for it and thank him. <laughs> Not bloody likely, is what Odo would say. Yeah, but, and then Quark's like, basically, like, I don't want anyone to know that I carried you for like, you know, a mile up that mountain, and you know, and then actually cared enough to save your life. Like, it's like, it's, there's this whole scene right before that where, like, Quark's like, give up, and like Odo's like, no, I'm not giving up. I'm gonna push that thing, for, even though I have a broken leg. And Quark's like, oh, fine, I guess I'll go do this. I was gonna die. It would have been nice, but I was yeah. gonna sit here and die until you ch- dared me not to die, basically. Yeah. Um, Which, again, it goes back to what Jamil said earlier. It's just how much they're willing to show each other that they won't let each other die and that they actually love each other. And it's it's actually really sweet but funny at the same time. They live Uh, to make each other suffer. Yeah. Uh, Okay. I think that's where you kill Batman. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. They're just just too much fun. Yeah. We already already showed this shot, but just on the clip. (laughs) I just want the hands. When I told you I hated you, and you told me you hated me vividly, I just wanted you to know I meant every word of it. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> I would have oh. loved like Odo reaching over to Quark at this moment, and Quark just going, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, or vice versa. Yeah, it's like you stop responding. I was checking your pulse. <laughs> Oh yeah, the whole scene where he's like trying to wake Quark up. He's like Quark, Quark, and he's like he's clearly alive, but Odo keeps hitting him anyway. Yeah, yeah. good stuff. That is good. And then he wakes I was up. Doing he's chest like, compressions. Yeah, I'm deaf in, in, in my right ear. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all that stuff was fantastic. Um. Okay, Jeff, you want to give us some some fun facts? Yes. Uh, we'll do okay. I only have a few here, so we'll get into the fun facts. Um, okay, first fun fact we already talked about it, but I thought I'd bring it up again. Quark offers to play a game of Fizzbin. This is the game that Captain Kirk made up in the episode A Piece of the Action, which is the episode where they go back in time or no, they go to a planet and there's a some for some reason a mobster planet. That they have to navigate. Uh, how lucky you are! How wonderful for you! <laughs> That's right. Uh, in the you know nineteen twenties thirties, you know Al Capone set time time period. Uh, so they do that in that episode, and that's the recall here. Um, okay, so I have an answer to where they filmed this. They filmed the, the outdoor scenes for this episode in Whitney Portal, which is ten miles west of the Lone, the town of Lone Pine, California. The Whitney Portal is an area on the eastern slope of Mount Whitney, which is 14,505 feet, uh, in e- and it's in eastern California, which is it is near Yosemite, but it's actually a lot closer to Death Valley. Uh, it's basically on the other side of this mountain that they're looking at is Death Valley. And it's, it's saying here that it was 18 degrees Celsius during the whole shoot. 
um 65 fahrenheit uh if you need the conversion uh and so they they used a wide lens to give it an icy look it didn't work yeah i it must have been warm that day um okay and the highest this is the highest mountain in the contiguous usa which i wouldn't have thought you would have thought that would have been in like denver um Okay, and the waterfall scene is the falls at Whitney Portal, which is also reachable by car, so you can actually go there. So if you live in California, go check it out. We should go there um, and create that scene where we're just carrying a transmitter on our back. I hate you. I hate you too. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, you're right. About uh, Odo's inquiry as to how it could be so cold when the sun is shining was added on set because of the excellent weather c- uh, pr- um, conditions during the production, which you alluded to. It was supposed to be freezing cold on camera, but in reality, you're right, Dave. It was 65 degrees, 18 degrees Celsius, which is like a hot, warm day here. Uh, I would say it would be like a June day in uh, Canada. So the fact that they're wearing all those clothes and like Cork's got to wear all that makeup, he must have sweat sweated something yeah, it must have been hard yeah. um see if i don't want to say better filmmakers were involved but this definitely needed a blue tint like yeah. give it like yeah, a bluish tint make it a little bit darker so it doesn't seem like it's so bright and sunny outside right um yeah like uh, if there was like a metallic blue tint if you've ever seen the movie out of sight it does a great job um, with its Detroit scenes, all the scenes, mm-hmm. it looks dark, depressing, cold, like to the bone. And all right. it is is just filters that they really play with to make it. Yeah. Yeah. They could have achieved that back then in 1996. Was, this was not outside of the realm of technical feasibility. Yep. Um, out of Sight, I believe, came out in 96 or 97. Yeah, so it's very right around that time. That was Soderbergh, right? Made that. Yep, that's a. It's a movie. There's a TV show. Filters don't doesn't matter. Movies and like you put a gel packet and then you color grade appropriately. It's it's not like they're using special effects or anything like that. Well, yeah, if they'd done this episode today, Jamil, they would have definitely used CGI. I think, which would have been unfortunate. You can get it, it. It looks it looks better with. The proper filters. On set. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, not the eight. I apologize. Two years after. Uh, I'm sorry, around the same time. This one, yeah. this episode's 97. So I think so. So filmed about the right same time. Yeah, probably filmed around the exact same time. You're right. Um, okay, this is the final episode to regularly feature the uniforms that they've mentioned originally created for the series that were introduced in season one. In the next episode, uh, and onward, the uniforms were replaced by the new uniforms that were introduced in First Contact. However, the original DS9 episode, uh, uniforms would continue to be used for the duration of Voyager, as the Voyager is already lost in the Delta Quadrant by the time Starfleet issues the new uniforms. The uniforms were seen on DS9 twice more in Purgatory Shadow and in What You Leave Behind. Um, why doesn't, like, once um, Voyager starts talking to Earth, just get the schematics for the new uniforms and start wearing the new uniforms once they actually like talk to earth they never give us an on-screen answer for that i think it's just that they're like we're not gonna try to adapt to new things while we're out here forty thousand light years away we're just you know when we get home we'll 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 upgrade but the standard specs isn't we wouldn't it like be a waste of us. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't it be a waste of replicating ability 
to do that for the entire crew? What happens yeah. if they change uniforms again? They have to do it again. I don't. I don't know how much energy a uniform would take out of a replicator, but uh, I got. I, I will say. Oh, oh. Um, I will say just to, on this. Uh, uh, these. I love these uniforms, and I'm sad when they're gone from Deep Space Nine. Like Voyager continue carries the the, the torch uh, for a couple of years after this. But um, okay. Next question: Why don't they? I, I don't like the fact that they change stuff like such an important part of the the series and they don't dedicate an episode to it. Why, why can't even, it be like, it, hey, it, did everyone hear? We got new uniforms coming. Like, it's that not even could a sea storyline to this. They don't even talk about it on screen at all. Like, it's just like, no, I don't like that. Yeah, yeah I agree. It's just what they do. It's just what they do. And mid season, too. Like, it's not even the beginning of a new season yeah. or anything. Yeah, that would have made sense if they'd done it at the beginning of season one, uh, season five. Sorry, here when changing Bashir first comes onto the scene. I think um, I, I think it all has to do with first contact. The fact that that movie was successful, um, and that they're like, well, why would Picard and those guys be? We, we Worf's in that movie, wearing that other uniform. So I think that they had to try to reconcile it and, and get them into that uniform too. <laughs> you change your mate like <laughs> you change a television program mid season because that's like this is yes. a Marvel. That's what they did. But like, they, I, I, like, I a little foresight could have been like, "Hey, we're gonna write an episode about this, or put this as like a line in it, so it like interconnects better." Yeah, I agree. They just didn't do any of that. Like, they just said, "Nah, there's." It's just kind of not even talked yeah. about at all. It's like bathrooms. That being said, we have discovery that. You know, changed the uniforms twice and didn't discuss it. Yes, recently. Uh, at least, yeah, at least twice. Yeah, already. Okay. Sorry, Jeff. Continue. No, yeah, I only got a couple more. Uh, the altitude of the filming location and rising temperatures caused Armin Shipperman, who normally had no issues with the quark prosthetic, to nearly pass out. As a, uh, as a result, there were fears among the cast and crew that the entire episode would have to be canceled. Fortunately, the onset medic has uh, had been prepared for altitude altitude reactions and was able to ensure that uh, Shimmerman was still able to shoot. According to Armin Shimmerman, the medic's the hero of that episode. My muscles won't work anymore. <laughs> and he probably that wasn't even acting. <laughs> that was just how he was feeling. He's probably being cooked alive. Jeez. Oh my god. And then like yeah, they picked the two characters that wear stuff over their face. You know, like other than Worf, yeah. he'd be the only other person. Uh <laughs> Should have had Jake and Nog out on the mountain, <laughs> and, and, and Odo and and Cork uh, living in quarters together. Yeah, <laughs> arguing about tidiness. <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. Um, Where was the root beer? What about what about the root beer? Well, you know, he got the huge order of root beer. That was like mm -hmm. what, at least 12, 13, 14? Mm-hmm. Um, do they have a fridge? Like, they didn't have a party. I don't have an answer for that one. No, yeah, I don't have an answer. These, uh, like, so that the uniforms, you know, what happens on the on the planet when Keiko comes and shows them all the stuff they could have eat. I could have put mm -hmm. like there could have been a point five episode. I could have wrote it. You could have. <laughs> it was a shame. 
Um, but there was something that was written. Uh, Jake's story that Nog proofreads in this episode shares the same title as the series' second episode, Past Prologue. Uh, which we didn't like very much if you go back and look at our ratings on that. So so that's what Jake's saying. And then finally, this is the introduction of the Orion Syndicate, which was a criminal organization created and maintained by the Orions. The syndicate's activities include gambling, racketeering, smuggling, piracy, slave trading, extortion, and assassinations. Not sex trades? Shouldn't it be sex trades? I know. I, I know. I can't believe that's not in there. So yes, and sex trades. Um, prostitution. Um okay and that's it for the fun facts here uh, all right thank you jeff yeah and, and let's get into our ratings uh as we uh, will rate this episode uh, ashley has sent her in her rating already as a 10 whoa <laughs> wow. that's high praise high praise um i'll give it this one i'll go 9.9 it's a great episode 9.9 whoa <laughs> I'm with you, Jeff. Nine point nine. Only Jeez. I'm only deducting for the for the episode looking so sunny and nice on this planet that's supposed God, to be now, killing. Them. Now I feel like the asshole. Nine point oh. Nine point oh. That's so good. One point gonna, because of the B storyline. <laughs> I was eight. gonna do nine. He's doing an eight too, Kevin. Thank Kevin you, Will. Kevin. There is. This is this is a fun episode, but it's not a super great story. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. Um. So that's kind of funny, Jamil. Between Ashley and Kevin, if they had combined score, it would be nine anyway. So <laughs> you're basically the same. Warfson of Moog. I wonder what Warfson of Moog would give this. He's only Warfson of Moog's only in it for about a minute. No, so, not that high, probably for that probably reason. Not that right. Um, that's exciting, though. That Warfson of Moog will be on Trivial Debates. I think that will be a he will be a worthy worthy competitor. I'm gonna crush yes. this dude. Uh, so nine without Davin's uh, rating, uh, but uh, it's a nine point four average for this okay. episode. Um, I was Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf uh, written. Um, team, yeah, from November twenty fifth, nineteen ninety six. Sam, since mm. you were asking, um, Thanksgiving episode. Yep, it was the Thanksgiving. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, and uh, I think he had a couple more questions. Uh, what was wrong with the uniforms? Nothing was wrong with them. They just made a new one for the movie because that's what happens when you make a movie. The costume department says, we can't just use the same uniforms. We have to make new uniforms. And yeah, it would be kind of like TNG when the movies came out in the 80s and they were all wearing those red uniforms. They could have been like, oh, shit. I mean, I know they changed them because it's in the future, but like they could have been like, oh, we should, probably should go to the red uniforms now. You know what I mean? It It also gives the costume department a chance to... It's for award seasons as well. The mm -hmm. opportunity to like throw their hat into it with a minor change. If they just use the same old uniforms and it doesn't stand out, you have a higher yeah. budget, you might as well use it. They actually tried to make new uniforms for generations and they ended up getting tossed um, because they weren't, they didn't really work. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, they should have changed it for the beginning of season six, says Sam, not in the middle. Of I think they, I think they did it because again for first contact and they wanted there to be sort of like this correlation of when those events are happening to when these events in the show are happening um as well so that's that's the way i always interpreted it at least so in between this episode the defiant after picking up odo and quark drops them off at the station then heads to earth for a wharf 359 
there's a specific episode where sorry. There's a specific episode where Cisco mentions uh, the recent Borg attack. Um, it's coming up this season, and so we can infer it's around that time. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, the, DC's Nine does this thing too, like where like the first few episodes, you know, they're pretty tight together, and then they'll have episodes where it's like, remember what happened three months ago? And it's like, you know, like so, like yeah, you, you have no idea what happened with for those three months, you know, nothing. maybe nothing, you know, maybe they were just you know. maybe a Borg attack and some time travel, you know, routine <laughs> stuff for Worf. They come back, it's right. like, wow, that was an amazing adventure. <laughs> yeah, but Jeff, the next episode is called rapture yeah okay what is the next episode um let me just put it on here and i'll see if i can remember exactly i don't know if you're familiar with the uh the ancient lost city of bahala uh, on Bajor. this is this is like yeah cisco this is the start of cisco going crazy right yeah uh yeah cisco crazy with bajoran prophecy he's got to build this pyramid he's going nuts um yeah it's a good episode and you're right this is the first new uniform episode and it's you know it's very vesty they like to wear the vests <laughs> they got you know they got the long the long sleeve reds like you know um yeah it's a good episode though i enjoy watching avery brooks like for a whole episode you know yeah and especially with him go crazy like it's not as good as it is at the beginning of season seven when he's like full crazy and like i i enjoy it more than when he's like writing on the wall in the prison or the mental ward and he's like digging the sand to get the, the orb he's washing the clams behind joe's yeah he's washing the clams shucking them you know i enjoy that stuff more with him because he's just so um eccentric but this episode is kind of the start of him getting in those waters, I think. Um, which are, are it's good. Uh, anyway, Jubil, do you have anything to say about Rapture? No, we get to it? I don't. Okay. I, I eagerly awaited. I can't remember the episode. I remember this one. I hate but, the episode for the record. Ooh, <laughs> so nine point nine for Dave confirmed. Let's go. <laughs> It's kind of like um, you could watch the Rapture and the Visitor, like watch the Visitor, then the Rapture back to back, and they're very similar. I would say uh, you get a lot of the Jake Cisco kind of um, relationship stuff going on, and they're both kind of obsessed and trying to figure out the problem. Um, there's a lot there. Uh, Tony Todd, the rap- Rapture does not. Right, same character though. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Tony. Tony Todd doesn't like soft shit, though. Yeah, I don't <laughs> like that soft shit. Yeah. Get that off here. <laughs> I'm no rocket man. Uh, there's my Tony Todd. Because uh, you're the rocket man. Because you're the rocket man. Because you're the rocket man. What? Yeah. <laughs> Be my victim. Oh, that's a candy man. Uh, to- Tony Todd. Uh, <laughs> you got to go get some. What does that have to do with you? Yeah. I'll I get want some... my fucking money. Yeah, that one's from The Rock. Yeah, yeah, he wants his money. Excuse me, but what about the fucking money? <laughs> he really, he really enunciates on fucking like fucking like. Excuse yeah. me, but what the fucking money? The fucking money. He's awesome. He's like, uh, I want you to do it again, but a little bit more. Under, really under. pop. Pop those syllables. Is that, it's a Michael Bay. Michael Bay is talking to Tony Todd. Okay, yeah. Tony Todd. This is what you see. Emphasis on fucking. Yeah. No problem. Uh, you're mad. Really so mad. We need a Tony Todd, Samuel Jackson, Fest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Lead so true. Into it. 
Tony Todd might have been cast in those Tarantino movies had Samuel Jackson not rose to fame. Because uh, he definitely could have played a lot of those Samuel Jackson parts. Um, <laughs> say it again. Day, yeah. Say it again. Name again. Is, it, yeah. is it Jake? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know I am the Lord. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, that's it. Uh, Dave, what do we have coming up on Live Long and Podcast? Do we have any other shows? Uh, yeah, Jeff, did you know that every Monday we talk about uh, an episode of Star Trek Enterprise with Jody Simpson and uh, and the gang over there? I will see my dream come alive at last. I will touch the sky. They're not going to hold us down anymore. No, they're not going to change our minds over there on Enterprise at 8. Uh, as we were just talking about the episode Shuttle Pod One last night, a podcast on the Shuttle Pod, and uh, and next week uh, I can't remember what episode we're doing, but it will be the one that comes after Shuttle Pod One, and um, and <laughs> great segue, uh, and uh, that's the that's what we're talking about over there on Enterprise at Eight every uh, every Monday with Jody Simpson, what a, Adam Wood. What what a, what about on Thursdays? On Thursdays, we talk about uh, that's when CBS, Paramount, Viacom, whatever, whoever the, the the company that owns Star Trek right now, uh, they put out their newest episodes. This Thursday, Jeff, we have two new episodes to cover. We are uh, well first on uh, first on that evening, we'll be talking about Star Trek Picard season two, episode three, which has been titled. Um, sorry, I had all this ready and then I completely lost. It's called Assimilation, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Uh, this 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 uh, Thursday, and then over on Star Trek Discovery is wrapping up its fourth season with the uh, with the episode thirteen for season four coming home. We're gonna finally find out what's going on with this DMA and the and and the dark matter anomaly and and the species ten C and what the heck's going on, Jeff? We don't know. And no, nobody cares. <laughs> Me and Michael Chan do, and we're gonna be talking about it this Thursday. Uh, Following the uh, the Picard podcast, which seems to have much more interest, uh, if you want to just look at our views on the videos, can us. Michael Chan get um get the role of Sulu because they now just casted Kirk. He can he, well, uh, yeah, I guess so. Michael Chan, Jeffrey Combs, <laughs> the rules go out the window. I see what you were thinking there. Doesn't matter, Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. <laughs> I love Michael Chan. I love the everything he's doing in Discovery. But I'm a Star Trek fan. I'm only watching Picard. I'm not watching Discovery. Like you know, you, you can watch both. It, they're both I coming out. I can't. I can. I'm not <laughs> saying I couldn't. I'm just choosing to watch Picard. I, I think I'm not. I'm say, I might be missing out. I might be I, missing out. I think I'm going to catch up to Discovery this week. I'm going to have to do it at some point. Just but binge, binge through it. Um, tell me what you think when you finally see it. Um, you know, I know Kevin's keeping up and he loves it. So <laughs> he's his favorite show. Yeah, it's up there. He said it's up there for him. You know, so it's. Uh, I don't even watch it with Ashley anymore because <laughs> I can't shut my mouth. <laughs> Yeah, we saw. I saw our brother Rich the other day, and uh, he he was not a fan either. So, uh, for various reasons. Well, that's why anyway. there's, multi- there's lots of flavors when it comes to Star Trek. That's right. We right. got Star Trek Prodigy now. We got Star Trek Lower Decks. There's all you know. It, it, I don't. There's there's not just one kind of Star Trek, which I think is really great about this time we're in. Is that you know, it, whoever you are, you can find a show I think that suits you. And if they don't all, then that's fine. You know. Um, but I try to keep up with it all. Anyway, so that's 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 all of the new shows coming up, Jeff. We also do Star Trek Radio Theater. Uh, we just, uh, well, we did one uh, earlier this uh, in February. Was looking for Parmok in all the wrong places. Uh, that that you can 
listen to the live and edited versions, as well as our most recent uh, reading of Hiding Q with Jody Simpson and Steve Shives and Mike Discovery Zone, Michael Chan. Um, check out that edited version now posted to our YouTube channel. It is a, my masterpiece if I have to uh, pat myself on the back. Um, and uh, and that's it, I think, in terms of uh, our Star Trek Live Long and Podcast uh, content. However, check out Super Mater Brothers Podcasting, uh, where you and Jamil and I are going to be talking about, you know, for sure, we'll be talking about Survivor, uh, Season 42, Episode 2 tomorrow. Uh, and then we'll be doing... We, our, our, I'll admit we haven't been keeping up very well with Big Brother Canada 10, but uh, we'll do a check-in tomorrow to talk about the state of the nation in Big Brother Canada. I watched the episode. Um, Kyle, he's blowing that hose up. <laughs> and I say news. who's. I say My who's. degree is not in English, Jeff. It's in sports <laughs> management. And then the whole the house is like, who cares? Oh, what a threat. What a threat. Oh, oh. You knew Moose already? Um, oh, my God. You knew Moose? <laughs> acquaintances at a party once oh okay moose, yeah, moose. everybody get ready because it's moose <laughs> yes moose. and then also we have as mentioned trivial debates our monthly show we argue about movies tv sports and more uh we have uh, max duda hosting with jameel robinson jody simpson and wharf son of mo competing uh for this next edition that will be on march 27th at 10 a.m eastern I love Worf Son of Moog's um, headshot. It's a, it, it's a, <laughs> it's exactly what you think when you think of Worf Son of Moog. Get a cease and desist. Cease and... <laughs> Don't yeah. false Michael, advertise. <laughs> Michael Dorn comes stalking. Um, you should also check out our friends podcast. Uh, Michael Chan, yep. he does the Hellbound podcast with Alex Blackburn every Wednesday about the newest horror subject. They do little uh, radio plays that are built into that. Michael Chan was just on um, another uh, podcast this past uh, Sunday. He was doing an interview over there. Um, and uh, he, he was like, have you guys ever heard of the, have you ever heard of the Super Mater Brothers? And they were like, no. And I was like, why the hell not? <laughs> that was my reaction. <laughs> um how anyway dare and then, you. How, dare how dare you also check out let's talk about fighting games with Eamon mater under his alias sam jerka where they talk about uh what's a street fighter and uh street uh, fighter and, and, and moral combat moral combat and <laughs> games where people fight each other guys eternal like, champions and teenage mutant ninja turtles tournament fighters soul caliber baby who knows they talk about it all over there on let's Skull talk about girls another good one yeah, check that out on uh, Spotify or wherever you get your audio podcasts. Them and... Fighting Herds. Have you ever heard of that? I think you'll like that, Dave. It's an all-pony fighting game. All why ponies. Would I like, why would I like that? An all-pony Why not? Game? Do you have something against ponies? I don't have anything against them. So been... that's fine. I just offer you something. You just like got all hidey-tidy about mentioning it. Sorry, sorry. You know what, Jeff? There's a game called Them Fighting Herds, which is all mm. about ponies fighting. Ooh. See? Yeah. See how see how Jeff accepts that into his heart? <laughs> Sounds violent. Let's talk about fighting games just released their 10th episode, guys, today. It's it was uh, updates on KOF and Capcom licenses. Do you know what KOF stands for? No. Take a guess what the F stands for. Fighting. Yes. Right. King of fighting, F fighters. King of fighters. King of fighters. Okay. Yeah. Is Base. it like like the competition? Like the, the the. It's 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 the like one of the biggest fighting games. There's Street Fighter and then there's King mm. of Fighters. 
every um, year they have like or every couple of years they have a release like 94 98 2002 um big games terry bogard bow to the guard is one of the um main important fighters he's in smash bros too it's cool yeah they, they're talking about all kinds of games over there on let's talk about fighting games with sam jerka check it out what, what's his co-host name Super Sm- Sonic Smash Bros. Seth <laughs> and Paranoia is the other guy. Par- <laughs> oh, love it. Yeah. Uh, it's great. They're great names. They're very creative. Great names. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and I think uh, I think that's that all it? the plugs. Yeah, that's all the plugs. Well, thanks, yeah. thank you, Dave. And uh, let's go out here on maybe something Odo said in this episode. Odo. And- yeah, because I think he's kind of the heart, him and Cork, but maybe a bit more Odo, especially with his final soliloquy. Uh, but thanks for joining us here on D699. We will see you next week where we cover the rapture uh, for all of us here. I've been Jeff Mater, joined with my brother Dave Mater, Jamil Robinson, Kevin Millard, the Fizbin Grandmaster, and of course, Worf, son of Moog. See ya! What do you hate? You... That's fine with me. Because I hate you, too. (laughs) Oh, thank you.